0: Now COP is copping flack for a lack of meaningful reductions in climate warming emissions. After going into overtime, the two-week climate summit wrapped up last night with countries agreeing to set up a loss and damage framework to help poorer nations badly affected by climate related disasters. But decisions on how much money is needed won't be made until at least next year. Caden Watts, an indigenous climate activist, was was at COP27 as an independent and he told me about the decision and the prominence, or lack of, of Indigenous voices at the table.
1: It's an interesting result because we welcome that there's a loss and damage fund. We welcome that parties are stepping up and actually taking some kind of action towards funding um, Global South countries to actually uh, reciprocate for loss and damage and be able to adjust, uh, adapt to climate change, mitigate climate change effects. But this has come quite late in the process. And it's interesting when you look at the beginning of this COP because this was positioned as the action COP, the COP where we would be able to get things done and start operationalising change. Um, but because the negotiations went so long, because parties weren't able to agree on certain language, uh, we have ended up in a very similar, situa- similar situation than when we started. So we have an agreement, we have a fund, we have a network to help Uh, global south countries adapt to climate change and fund loss and damage. But the decisions surrounding that aren't going to come till next year. And I just wonder how many more times we're going to have to go through this before we can actually have global south countries being able to adapt to climate change when they weren't the ones causing this.
0: It was described as one of the most significant decisions since the Paris Agreement, and the Paris Agreement is actually, you know, it's been quite some time Mm. since then. What is the solution? It feels as though that every time it comes around to a COP, and we've had our own climate change minister say, it's a nightmare, quote, to make Mm. any decisions or get any traction at these these particular summits. What's the alternative?
1: Yeah, it's an interesting question because what gets... What happens with the bureaucracy of these processes is that many people often get left behind and communities get left behind in these um, decisions. So we noticed that in the decision text that came out around loss and damage financing, that the protection of Indigenous peoples, the protection of other civil society groups is severely Lacking Uh, language that actually holds parties to account, member states to account, to actually protect Indigenous peoples' uh, interests, protect Indigenous peoples' whenua uh, is severely lacking from any of these decisions. So the whole entire process itself needs a complete rethink because I don't know how we can have 27 of these and still be leading down some of the groups that are affected by this the most when they have not been contributing nearly as highly as these developing nations, as I mean, as these uh, developed nations as global north countries uh, towards climate change. So the process itself is severely lacking in how we allocate resources, what equity looks like in a climate change response. So a complete rethink of that process needs to be done. And I think that starts with actually having civil society members in the room to help guide these conversations right now, our input into these negotiations is severely limited and often um, restricted to just the odd um, statement or the odd press release that we can get out uh, whenever we engage in, or whenever we're allowed to engage in these negotiations. So, in my opinion, a a complete restructure of how these negotiations take place is definitely needed.
0: Mm. Because when... At COPS and at any other event when climate change is being discussed, when you speak to Indigenous Mm. advocates in this space, it seems as though it's been the same message over and over for many years now of not being at the table, not being part of making those decisions. And what I'm hearing from you as part of this COP27, these groups are back at square one in terms of
1: being Mm. heard.
0: Was that the feeling
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And I don't know how many more times it has to be said that the rights of these marginalised communities are important and need to be at the forefront of these conversations. But if it needs to be said again, you will see these groups turning up year after year to reiterate that message, because it's absolutely needed. In terms of the outcomes for these marginalised communities, for Indigenous peoples and local communities, it's very much a similar case where the text that's released and the protections around Indigenous peoples is just severely limited. So we will be looking onto COP twenty eight as we operationalise the Loss and Damage Fund, the Santiago Network on Loss and Damage, some of these key items that came out of COP twenty seven, we'll be looking for active participation in these workshops and the discussions that surround operationalising these networks and these funds because that's what's needed. Um, We've been pushing for that inclusion year after year that these COPs happen and we'll continue pushing for that involvement. Um, And that message never changes. But if we need to be there again, we will show up again.
0: And just lastly, do you think with this particular fund and the process, the very complex uh, and chaotic process it took to get to landing on that fund, are we going to see any fruits of that? You know, like how soon yeah. we see the impact of it?
1: Yeah, it's an interesting question as well, because... Since these negotiations took so long for a loss and damage fund to actually be agreed on and set up, we lost a lot of the progress we were supposed to make uh, around operationalising this fund and then getting to that more detailed question, what does this look like for the Pacific? I know that it's it's widely known in New Zealand now that the New Zealand government pledged $20 million towards loss and damage financing at the very beginning of this COP, positioning itself as a... Uh, let's say, leader in the discussions around loss and damage financing. But in the grand scheme of things, that $20 million is not new money, and we need to see stronger commitments and stronger pledges for our Pacific neighbours and for back home. We have Māori showing up to these events, um, often relying on their communities to get them there, and yet aren't... Um, positioned in these conversations um, like they should be or, re- or spoken to and, and negotiated with um, at these conferences like they should be. So uh, when we will actually see the decisions being made here trickle down to action within our own territory, within the Pacific, within Aotearoa, um, the longer these negotiations are pushed out, the longer it's going to be before we actually see any kind of repatriation for the damages um, that global North countries have caused uh, for climate change and particularly loss and damage within the Pacific. So, yeah, yeah. I hope hope we can make more progress in the next COP, but we will continue showing up, continue pressuring our governments and continue um, pushing for more... um, Help with the Pacific and help back home for our Māori and our Pacifica. Mm.
0: And so, in terms of your observations and what I'm gathering there is that did you did you not feel that um, our Pacific neighbours were prominently on the table when these discussions were taking place?
1: Mm-mm. Yeah, I. It's an interesting it's an interesting dynamic to break down, and I won't yeah. speak on their behalf. But yeah, yeah. what I will say is that. A lot more needs to be done in terms of what we commit to um, before I think New Zealand can go around and say that it's a leader of the Pacific, or the New Zealand government can position itself as a leader of the Pacific when it comes to um, climate change responses. Uh, Mm. COP26 had some really good decisions that came out of it, and pledges from the government ahead of COP26 uh, kicking off with the $1.3 billion, but... What we needed at this COP was more was more um, priority given to the Pacific and more funding going towards the Pacific and Māori back home because if we want to be helping our Pacific neighbours, that's what we need to be doing. We need to be funding loss and damage now. We can't keep waiting for funds to be established um, in these international networks and, and keep waiting on the progress of others. We need to be showing right now that we are capable of helping and and doing and righting the wrongs that um, have happened because of climate breakdown in the pacific so mm. i won't speak on their behalf but a lot more can be done
0: and that was climate change advocate who was at cop 27 Caden watts and the oil and gas delegation at Sharm sheik was larger than those of most big countries and had greater access to negotiations than activists